You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Welcome back. This is episode 18 of Hashtag Gen Z. In this episode, we're diving into an incredibly important and personal topic. Mental health is something that has come up more and more as we talk about Generation Z. They've been painted as the most depressed, anxious, and lonely generation to date. I partially don't buy that, though. While the research is pointing out to the rise in mental health concerns among young adults and teens today, I know there's much more going on. The American College Health Association conducts a national college health assessment twice a year and engages thousands of college students in their study. I looked at ACHA's survey because it engages a large sample of Generation Z students and is conducted on a regular basis. In the last few years, as I've been following the National College Health Assessment, the findings have pointed out that stress, anxiety, and depression are the top three leading mental health concerns among today's Generation Z college students. In fact, one in three reported that stress has negatively impacted their academic performance, one in five report anxiety has negatively impacted their academic performance, and one in six report depression has impacted their academic performance. I recognize that this study engages college students who are just one subpopulation of Generation Z, so I wanted to explore this topic as we read more and more about the rising mental health concerns among Generation Z. Therefore, I wanted to bring in a professional who works day-to-day supporting Generation Z and their mental health and well-being. Casanora Lampley is a passionate youth advocate and mental health ambassador. She recognizes that experiences in childhood and adolescence shape the way a person cares for themselves and relates to others throughout their life cycle. Casanora also understands that members of minority communities have and continue to face greater challenges when attempting to access mental health services. Her desire as a clinician is to assist people with overcoming any financial, geographical, or cultural barriers which may impede their access to quality mental health services. She stands firmly on the premise that the best care is designed with all aspects of the individual's spiritual, cultural, physical, mental, emotional, and educational self in mind. Casanar is committed to equipping young people with the tools and support to understand and effectively meet their mental health needs. She currently serves as a care coordinator at Vanderbilt University, where she connects students to culturally informed resources to assist them in attaining and maintaining holistic wellness. Casanora is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a native of Gulfport, Mississippi. She earned a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Clark Atlanta University in 2010 and a Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy at the University of Southern Mississippi in 2012. She is a current Doctor of Education student at Trevecca Nazarene University. Casanora's favorite self-care practices include traveling, live music, reading, and shopping. I'm excited to share Casanora's insights and advice on how we can best support Generation Z. So I am incredibly excited to welcome to 
the podcast, my good friend, Casimir Lampley, who really just, I think the universe put into my life in, in a wonderful way in the form of a wonderful coworker, but also just someone that I'm thankful to be able to collaborate with. And today have a great conversation around something that I definitely care a lot about. And I think that a lot of my listeners are really interested in, and that's talking about today's youth and young people and, and mental health as it relates to Generation Z. So I'm excited. So welcome, Casanora. Thanks for having me. And so saying so all those wonderful things about me, I have to live up to the hype now. Oh my goodness, you're gonna like surpass the hype um, if I know anything about you. I know what you do and I'm lucky to witness that in in our work together. But what is it that you do and kind of what led you down this journey of working in this mental health space, especially with with young people and young adults? Yeah, so I am in higher education. I work in student care. So basically what I do on the university level is meet with students, assess their needs in a bunch of different areas, um, and then connect them to resources that are going to help them meet those needs. Some of those come in the form of on-campus resources, uh, and then some of those come in a form of off-campus resources. And definitely some things related to mental health in a traditional sense, um, like therapists, psychiatrists, stuff like that, but also some things that are related to identity, which I find to be really important and is part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this particular demographic. I am a first-generation college student and graduate, so a lot of the things that I learned about myself happened in college, um, and I had some support from some individuals about exploring who I was and kind of developing my own identity, and then definitely had some folks who weren't as supportive, primarily just because they didn't really understand uh, what this emergence of my new identity was. And so I am really passionate about this group of people because I know it's such a transformative time in your life and really wanting to be a support for young people who are just trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in the world. Um, so that's how I got started with working with this particular demographic and then just mental health, seeing people in my family, people in my community struggle with mental health and not really knowing what to call it and wanting to do something to change that, to change what therapists look like, how they relate to clients, all of that. So those two roles kind of diverged in a wood, as you would say, and that's how I ended up doing what I'm doing and where I am. And thank you for kind of sharing your personal background with how you came into this profession, especially because I, I'm a firm believer that so much of mental health and a lot of what young people are going through today, like there's no one cut and dry answer. And it is a very personal experience. And not only in understanding mental health concerns that each and every individual has, but how we can cope and how we can and provide care for every individual is, is something that's so personal. And I, I know something uh, that you're great at is is putting yourself out there and, and building those personal relationships. And um, from what we're understanding about this generation, that is something that is so critically important um, in a lot of the relationships that they're going through in life. So I would love to, from your perspective, I mean, you've been doing this work in, in supporting youth before even you started working at the college level and in supporting youth in, in a variety of ways. So you've also seen generations you kind of grow up and, and interact with them in so many capacities. So in your work, how you what are some of the trends and, and things that you see on a regular basis when it comes to to mental health with this generation? Um, there's a lot of manifestations of anxiety, um, and then a lot of manifestations of depression, which people would probably say is common for just about any generation. But what I find that is so unique about Gen Z is that 
a lot of these young people have been living in digital spaces their entire life, which is great for access to information and connecting with people, but it can also really create this image of what should be. Um, Gen Z, I feel like sometimes shoulds on themselves because, oh, I should be at this level or I should look this way because they're inundated with all of these images of what an attractive person is or what an educated person is or what, you know, an inclusive person is or what a person that identifies as XYZ should look like. And because of that, if they feel like they're not measuring up, because they're so they're so motivated and passionate, they want to do things well and they want to do things right. And so if they feel like, oh, I'm not hitting this benchmark, that creates anxiety or it creates this sense of I'm not good enough, I'm not measuring up, which can manifest as depression. Um, and then, of course, which leads into a bunch of different just mood disorders. Uh, so generalized anxiety disorder, which is just ongoing pervasive anxiety about a number of things that is impacting their day-to-day -day lives, uh, bipolar disorder, uh, schizoaffective disorder, borderline personality disorder. It just manifests in so many different ways. And I think the difference between Gen Z and other generations is not necessarily that they have higher incidences of mental health needs. I think they're just more honest about it uh, because they live in a space where it's more acceptable to be honest about those things. Uh, and because they want the authenticity, they want the genuineness, they want to truly be themselves while also struggling with figuring out what themselves is and if that version of themselves is aligning with what they think should be who they are. You really have started to get into this area that I was, I'm really curious to get your, your ideas on this because I get this question so often from people. I really, um, you, you know, you've seen me present and do trainings and I always say like, I'm presenting what we see as frequency of this generation, what we're seeing as reported behavior and, you know, the prevalence of anxiety and depression is, it's very alarming to some people. And people ask me all the time, well, I've heard this generation is the most depressed and anxious to date. What do you think about that? And so I, I kind of, I know what I normally respond with, but I would be curious, you know, from your perspective in this work, do you really think they are the most anxious and depressed generation? I think that they express that they are experiencing anxiety and depression in more verbal ways than previous generations. Uh, mental health is not new. It's not a Gen Z thing. It's not because of Facebook. Uh, these issues have been plaguing people for a long time. And I, like I said, I think Gen Z is probably just more willing to share what they're struggling with than previous generations. If you think about... I guess, is it Zennials? Is it the generation before millennials where there's this expectation of you get a job, you work a job for 30 years. You know, if you're in a heteronormative traditional relationship, this, this man provides for this family. And if you don't meet that benchmark, then you're not measuring up and then you're struggling and you're worried about everything. Well, worry is anxiety for some people or you're stressed out and you feel like you can't function because you don't want to fail. Well, that's depression for some people. And I think it's just been called different things by different generations because people haven't had the space to be open about their mental health needs or really even the language to identify what it is that they're dealing with. 
So I don't know if Gen Z is more anxious or experiences depression more than previous generations. I think they just report it more. And you can only go off of what's reported because data is necessary and it's very important. But I don't know if that is contextually relevant or contextually accurate, because if you're talking about people from the 70s and 80s who were told to keep information very private and not to share that, then what you're going to see is a large group of people saying that they don't have mental health concerns because they're masking those things as opposed to a very vulnerable, open group of young people. I agree 100% with you. Thank you. I was, was going to be real awkward if we diverged in that regard. Um, <laughs> I do. I 100% agree. And I sometimes say I, I pat um, uh, older generations on the back for saying we've, as a society, have opened up space for young people to get better treatment, to recognize signs of potentially damaging mental health concerns and to remove stigma when we are seeking services and we are seeking support. And I say, I commend us, us older people, for making that possible. Also, take care of yourself. Like, if you don't feel like you were able to, at their age, uh, seek out support, but you still have these feelings of certain mental health concerns, like, everybody should seek support when they need it and if they can gain access to it. So I, I like to commend society on good job. We're removing stigma. We're helping young people get the support they need at earlier ages and develop healthy habits. And so good job, everybody. But also stop calling them the most anxious and depressed. The end. And, end right. and I think when people do that too, I think some people don't mean to be critical like they don't mean to sound like they're attacking them or speaking of them in a negative way but for some people there is definitely a bend of they just don't know how to deal with anything and I made it through and bullying's not new and people should just kind of get over it I don't want people to do that if you're concerned like wow this generation is experiencing a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and it seems like they're experiencing it more than previous generations. Well, I can see how it feels that way, but that's not true. But thank you for your concern. And this is how you help them. And this is how you help yourself. But if you're a person who is kind of speaking in like a critical tone, I'm pushing back against that because just because previous generations did something and they were able to cope, it doesn't mean that it was the healthiest way. And it doesn't mean that that's what they needed to do. And it doesn't mean that that's what other generations should do. That's part of being in this space with Gen Z is because they're so progressive and they and they want things to be more inclusive and more transformative. That is what we're going to see a lot of with this generation. And it is difficult for older some members of older generations to really understand that narratives are changing, definitions are changing, language is changing. And you really have to accept that because change is inevitable. And so I think when people speak about them in that way, it's because they don't want the change to happen. But Mental health is not new. People have struggled with mental health for a very long time. It has been killing young people for a very long time. And so if we're committed to, let's just keep doing what we did previously because it worked for me, it's it's selfish and it's ill-informed. And I don't mean to sound like I'm chastising people, but maybe I am <laughs> because that's not always helpful. It wasn't helpful for previous generations and it's definitely not gonna be helpful for this generation that is seeking out support and wanting answers and wanting to be well and are struggling with their wellness. 
you bring up a, a good point of this, you know, Gen Z being inclusive and a very, very diverse generation. And we kind of talked a little bit when we we're thinking, you know, how you kind of got into this work was this mindset of intersectional um, identities, but then also the how that impacts mental health. And can you talk a little bit about how this, this mindset of inclusion and diversity and identity and mental health all kind of come together for this generation? I mean, your mental health is so personal and the way you receive support is so individualized. And when you have not necessarily the emergence of new identities, I think the identities that people are selecting for themselves have always been present. There just wasn't language for it. And so before I started working in higher education, I had never heard of the phrase gender nonconforming or, you know, a person who was non-binary. There have always been people who felt like, oh, I don't feel like what society says a man is, or I don't feel like what society says a woman is. I am this individual. And so it's hard enough dealing with your mental health, but then dealing with it in a space where you don't feel like people understand you and who you are. So the thing that's so great about Gen Z is that they're creating language for identities because I know millennials have had a hard time with labels and we as a group have said that we don't like them. I personally don't have an issue with labels, but I think it helps people to be able to put language to what they identify as. And when you're not able to do that, especially since so many mental health concerns are related to identity, if you're not able to self-identify, you're you're at a, a disadvantage for getting the mental health services that you need. Uh, if you are a person who identifies as you know, lesbian or bisexual, trans or, or gender nonconforming, you need someone who understands that because your identity impacts your mental health. Uh, and I challenge people when they say, well, I don't understand or it doesn't make sense to me. One, I don't think you have to agree with everything to understand it. Also, I don't think you should have to decide whether or not you agree with everyone's life choices. Like whether or not you think something is okay doesn't really matter because this is this person's identity. And also I would hope that you would get to a point where you are okay with people being who they are. Um, I have found it very interesting that people don't understand why Black and brown people want to see black and brown therapists. I find it very interesting when people don't understand why a gay or lesbian person would want to see an LGBTQIA identifying therapist, but they understand why a woman would want to see another woman therapist. Like, it's very important. We talk about representation in all of these different spaces and film and music and all these different industries. It's just as important and probably more important in mental health because it's a safer bet to look across the room, me as a Black woman, and see another Black woman and think she's probably going to understand how my experiences are impacting my mental health. Uh, the shootings of, of young people in schools, if you're not a school-aged person when this is happening, it may not affect you in the same way. The attacks of, of Black and Brown people uh, by police forces that are unjust, if you are not a Black or Brown person, it may not affect you in the same way. But those things are impacting mental health as well. And it's so multi-layered with Gen Z because not only do you have just your standard mental health issue, and then you put any sort of identity that is outside of what people's box is. 
and you put societal issues on top of that, it is a recipe for just really struggling with any form of a mental health diagnosis. And so all of those things matter. If you find a therapist who is not inclusive of your identity in any way, I would encourage you to find someone who's a bit more understanding because it's already hard to share and open up and be vulnerable about what you're struggling with. You're not going to make the progress or feel supported if you're sitting across from someone who doesn't understand your identity and how it impacts your mental health. And for some people, you don't need a therapist who identifies the way you do. Uh, You're open to anyone and that's amazing. But if that person, even if they do identify the same way you do, don't understand how your identity impacts you, I would encourage you to find someone who does because it's going to be so critical to your health. So you've talked a lot about how it's important to, you know, we've talked about seeing therapists who you you can identify and connect with because it is such an important and individual and vulnerable experience to be um, getting support for a mental health concern. And I know that you're a firm believer that there's a lot of different ways that you can su- support people who might be facing mental health um, or even to practice ways of self-care for those who are experiencing mental health concern. And I, I work with a lot of educators or I work with a lot of people that are not trained mental health professionals who want to know ways that they can better impact and better support young people today who might have a mental health concern. So from your work and your perspective, what are some ways that those who work with Generation Z and those who interact with Generation Z are able to best support um, young people today? Um, I think one of the first things that particularly educators can do, just because that's the space that we're in, you are already equipped with some of the tools necessary to understand this generation because you are an educator and therefore a researcher. So really dig into finding out as much as you can about the students that you're supporting and working with. There's a plethora of resources available. Our wonderful host has written an entire book uh, with a co-author on supporting Generation Z. Seek out those individuals who have some success in working with this generation and supporting them. If you are in higher education, your institution at the very minimum has a counseling center. Connect with a, a colleague or a trusted therapist there to find out, you know, what are some things that I should be on the lookout for in my students. We're not asking you to be their therapist. We're not asking you to diagnose them. We're actually telling you not to do that. But find out what you should look for, because there's this image of what anxiety manifests as and what depression manifests as. And those are true for some people. But for a lot of people, that is not what their anxiety looks like, especially if you get into high functioning anxiety and depression. Those people are performers. They are going to continue to hit benchmarks, come to class, do the work, There are other things that you have to pay attention to that may change within them to let you know something may be going on with this person and I need to support them. And if a student comes to you in office hours or during the meeting and says, I'm having a really hard time, I'm struggling with these certain things, and you've connected with someone who's informed you that this may be an indication of a mental health concern, share that information with them graciously, the way that you would want someone to share challenging information with you in a way that you could receive it. 
and, say, and just tell them, hey, it sounds like you're having a really hard time. I'm not sure if you've ever spoken to a counselor, but I've spoken to the, the ones who work at the counseling center and they've been really helpful. And they told me that sometimes students have a hard time with this and that they're there to help you. And so if you want, I can send an email for you. If you'd like, I can connect you to the person that I'm connected to and maybe they can help you because it sounds like you're having a hard time and I don't want you to keep struggling in this way. But seek out your resources and do your research. Ask students uh, and, and be prepared for the fact that there's no one size fits all. I think it's really easy to accept that, oh, okay, well, I'll do this thing and it's gonna really work for this person. And that may be exactly the opposite of what the next person needs. So be flexible, uh, be open. And if you know that this is something you struggle with, I would say find a partner or somebody that you can maybe tag team it with who can kind of help you support that student because Generation Z is, is here to stay. Uh, they are our students right now. They need our support. If we want to make sure that they are equipped to go into the various industries that we are training them in, we also need to make sure that they are equipped as whole people. Uh, and we need to care about that and we need to invest our time in that just like we invest our time in learning about what we're teaching them so that they can be prepared for life as young adults. I think that's uh, very valuable to people that are – I get this on a regular basis, like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, don't diagnose anyone unless you're literally trained to diagnose people. Another thing, always know the resources that are available in your environment. And I say that because I know there's people that listen to this podcast that come from a business background. And I think so much of this uh, can also apply to the corporate world where I think many different industries are looking at how employment to health is so important and the ways that we're talking about mental health in the workplace of our employees and of our organizations and how uh, mental health concerns don't take don't take the time off when we have to go to work. Like it oftentimes does uh, permeate into our work life as well. So I really think that there's a lot of utility when we think about what this is going to look like as this generation moves on beyond being students and interns, but being full, full-time employees and contributors to organizations in different spaces. Um, and I always encourage people, again, I'm not the mental health professional. I just get to hang out with some really cool ones, is role modeling the vulnerability it takes if, if we ourselves have mental health concerns or role modeling the fact that it's okay um, and, and not placing stigma on those on those who, who might want to seek out mental health help. And so there's a lot of role modeling that older generations can also do. Um, like I said, it's, we can all make sure that we have a mental health check-in every now and then and then we're taking care of ourselves. And for people who are really having a hard time with mental health, understanding that aspect of students, I always... You, you have to know how to approach people and you have to know how to feed them information in a way that they're going to be receptive, especially since some members of older generations who are in business are, you know, business is business and you got to take your feelings out of the workplace. And that was something that I'm going to say worked and I'm putting air quotes for a time. It doesn't work anymore. Um, and people who are resistant to change in business struggle. Uh, I've read books about industries where they were not open to employing women or people of color and the business dies because if you fail to innovate, if you fail to transition into the next domain, you're not going to last. Um, 
it's like your blockbusters of the world. Like when these red boxes started to come up, people were like, oh, we're still going to sell VHS tapes. I can't, I can't tell you the last time I've seen a VHS. If you don't position yourself to be ready to transition and to incorporate who your new staff are, you won't have new staff um, and your industry will suffer. And so I definitely put information into that. It's kind of like putting medicine into the food, you know, that's how I deliver that to people who are a little bit less emotionally intelligent or just have a, a smaller emotional bandwidth because some of us feel a large spectrum of emotions and we feel them very intensely and some people don't. And so they have a really hard time connecting the dots about mental health and feelings and emotions and all of those things. But it's it's important and it's good business to invest in your employees. And so we we do that with professional development and we don't question it. We do that with paid time off and we don't question it. It needs to be the same way with mental health. A lot of organizations are establishing employee assistance programs and a lot of the work those places do are to support the mental health of, of staff. And so if you're not a mental health professional, don't diagnose anybody, but make it to where the people that are doing the work that you are passionate about have access to the support that they need to continue to be good employees, but also be well and supported and mentally stable individuals. Kasnora, you have given so many, I think, tangible and helpful uh, insights on the mental health of young people today and ways that we across generations can be working to support one another and uh, continue to make sure that we're all um, being our healthiest and happiest humans to the, the best that we can be. And I appreciate all the work that you do. Again, I get to witness it on a pretty regular basis. So I'm lucky in that regard to have good coworkers, but I can't let you leave before asking um, a question I ask all of my guests. And I, again, I'm like Gen Z's biggest cheerleader, but um, what is your favorite thing about today's young people, those who are in Generation Z? I love how just diverse they are. They're so different. I meet with somewhere between six and 10 students a day who are almost all Generation Z. And they just show up in so many different ways with so many different influences and identities. And I really love it because it's challenging people to really broaden what they think this person I didn't like, oh, this is what a woman is. Well, Gen Z's gonna change that for you. Or this is what a parent is. Oh, this Gen Z's gonna change that for you. And so they're motivating me to adapt my frame of reference for an array of different identities. Um, and they're just such a diverse group and overwhelmingly a more accepting and affirming group. Um, the advocacy that they show for their peers, whether or not they are in a similarly identifying group or not, I think is really powerful because they're going to be the ones who band together and really do make some of these societal changes that we really need. Uh, 
I appreciate the connection to older generations that some of them do really want to have. And when the relationship isn't there, I don't think it's because of Gen Z. I think it's because of older generations who are a little bit stuck in their ways uh, and want to define what this generation is. And I know I'm preaching to the choir when I'm saying this to you, but Gen Z did not rear themselves. You know, they did not create technology. They didn't do all of these things that people want to badmouth them for. And so getting to know them really can be a transformative and life-changing experience. And so I really do love the young people. Uh, and for me, the young people are Gen Z because I'm a millennial, so my peers are millennials. But yeah, I think that's the thing I love the most about them. It's just how different they are and how they don't want to be something that previous generations have told them what they have to be. And so they're changing that. I agree. I think that they are so good at recognizing individuals as individuals while also thinking about our collective society and thinking about how we all work together and, and thinking about how we advocate for one another in different spaces and um, truly, they think the world is going to be a better place when everybody is, every human is treated like a human. And I, I just absolutely love that about them. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. They're pretty awesome. I know, man, we have such good jobs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Casanor, this has been wonderful. And as usual, I'm so thankful to be able to kind of sit and share and ideate with you. And I, I know that my listeners are really interested and um, take a lot of what you you've shared to the different spaces in which they work. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Mental health is an incredibly individual and personal experience. And while mental health is a personal experience, I think we've done a much better job as a society to reduce stigma, encourage care, and support those around us. We've done a good job, but it's clear there's so much more we can do. So as people continue to label and promote that Generation Z is the generation with the most mental health concerns, I really encourage us to think about how we've helped create a culture that is more open to discussing mental health concerns, finding support, and getting proper diagnosis. It might be that older generations were just as actually anxious and depressed, but we're just doing a better job today supporting each other and reducing stigma today. I want to say a big thank you to my friend and colleague, Casanora. She does some truly incredible and life-changing work. I've witnessed it and experienced what she can do for others. Her insights and advice are things we can all practice in whatever ways we impact Generation Z, whether that's role modeling positive mental health or connecting them with resources that can support their own. And I want to thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you find ways to practice your own self-care and promote it among others. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. More great episodes are on the way, and you'll want to stay up to date when those become available. Also, improving the show is always on my mind, and your feedback makes that possible, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Or if you know of a member of Generation Z or someone who works closely with Gen Z, please give me a shout. You can head over to my website, meganmgrace.com, or find me on social media. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and you can send some feedback, suggestions, or just say hello. Thanks again for hanging out. Let's continue this conversation, and we'll chat soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.